beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. God, we have come to you in praise. We have come to you in confession. We've been reminded that we have been forgiven in Christ. God, we have brought our offerings towards you. God, and even now you say to continue to bring all our requests before you because you care for us. So, Father, we do so now. We pray for for the needs of our congregation. God, I pray first for those who are are experiencing financial difficulty, those who are battling um, just making ends meet. Dear God, I pray that you would sustain them. Father, I pray that you would uh, work... um, in their lives to have opportunities where they can provide for their families. Uh, Dear God, I pray for all those who are in the workforce. God, I pray that you would give them the peace of God that transcends all understanding. As they go in and uh, dealing with difficult things and difficult people, God, I pray that you would allow their their reasonableness be known to all, uh, for they understand that they serve the God of peace. Father, we pray specifically for those who are are battling uh, anxiety, Lord as we just continue to think about how anxiety manifests itself in so many ways, we pray, God, that you would encourage those dear brothers and sisters who are battling, that they would make their requests known to God. And we pray, God, that you would honor your word, that you would allow the peace of God that transcends all understanding, would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray for those who are are dealing with physical ailments. We pray for Fred Justice. Uh, We pray for uh, Rhonda. We pray for... Uh, Betty Folsom, God, we pray for uh, all those, Barbara McGirt, all those who are experiencing physical pain. God, we pray for, for Rich, God, we pray that clarity would come from the doctors on how to, how to heal his back, God. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us. We pray now for those who are in office. God, we pray for uh, President Obama as these last few months in office. We pray, God, that you would allow him to uh, to be a man of wisdom and grace. God, we pray that you would allow him to reflect upon your law and your truth, God, as he leads and helps govern our great nation. Father, we pray for uh, President-elect Trump. We pray, God, that you would surround him with your peace and with your presence, God. We pray that you would hold his heart in your hands, that you would guide it to truth and to righteousness. God, we pray that you would surround godly people around him uh, to push him to the things of the cross, Lord. Uh, that the people would show the light of Christ to him, that his heart would be softened to the things of God. Father, we pray for uh, upcoming Supreme Court nominations. God, we pray that your hand would be uh, evident in this whole process. We pray, Lord, that our final trust would not be in any particular party, uh, denomination, uh, man, God, but our, our, our hope would only be in Christ. For we know that Jesus is on the throne, and that is where we have our greatest comfort. So, Father, we pray that you would uh, be kind to our nation. 
Father, even now we are so kind, uh, so grateful for the kindness you have shown uh, Riley and Hope in bringing them together uh, to each other. We pray, God, even now that you'd be preparing them for marriage. Lord, we pray that you would uh, give Riley the ability to lead and to lead well and, and to, to lay down his life for Hope. And, God, we pray for Hope that she would grow into a, a godly, mature woman, a uh, godly, mature wife, God, that she would reflect your character uh, to her husband. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word, how it's going forth across our city this morning. And we pray for Remedy Church and John Chambers. We pray, God, that as he preaches, that that congregation will be built up into the likeness of Christ. That they'd be formed more and more into the image of, of the holy character of our God. And dear God, we pray now for our own hearts, Lord, as we begin to hear your word. God, I pray that we would not hear legalism this morning, God, that we would not hear things that we must do, but God, that we would be challenged to think and to practice our lives in such a way that would honor you. So God, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that even right now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would convict us what needs to be convicted of. God, that you would drive away, drive us away from practices that are leading and drifting us into to sin, into disobedience. God, we know that you desire to bring about the obedience of faith among all peoples. So, God, we pray this morning that you would bring about the obedience of faith of the people of Park Baptist Church, for the people in this room, that we would think well, that we would practice godliness well, that we would be a godly representative and ambassador for you. And, God, that we would feel and experience the peace of God in our own lives. So, God, we humbly ask that you would be with us now as we study your scriptures. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, So before we begin diving into this text, what I want to do first is I want to kind of back it up a little bit. So take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. One of the challenges for a preacher, anytime he begins to, to preach a message, is, is where do you begin? Right now, we're only going to look at two verses. And if I looked at just those two verses, I could, I could come across as, as, as giving you a lot of rules to follow and rules to obey. But we always have to put it in, in the context, the context of the entire book. So just join with me briefly in the beginning of chapter 3. So beginning of chapter 3, Paul is, is kind of... the Beginning to land this letter, as we see it again, that same word as we see in our text today, finally, my brothers, he starts it the same way, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me. It is safe for you. He says, look out for those dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those mutil, who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision. We worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So before we, we start talking about our behaviors, about how we live, which we will do here in a second, we have to understand that we put no confidence in our flesh. Our hope is not in what we do. Uh, Paul was saying that those who put confidence in the flesh are enemies of God. Look what he goes on to say. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. If you don't start there, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is worth everything, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is worth laying down anything in your life that is going to keep you from him, everything I'm going to say this morning is not going to make any sense to you. Because that's where you have to start. The life of the Christian faith does involve habits and practices, and we will get there. But it all is in light of what Christ has done for us and the grace that he has given us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and God made us alive together with him. Jesus died for us. Do you see Jesus in that way this morning? That he is worth everything. He is worth everything because he gave you everything and took all the, the sin and garbage in your life. He took it upon the cross and gave you himself. So now when God sees you, Christian, he sees his son first. You are now wrapped in the righteous robes of Christ. Praise God and praise God. Start there. Don't lose that throughout this message because we're going to talk about what you watch on television. We're going to talk about what you listen to on the radio, on CDs or MP3s. I don't know how even people listen to music these days, right? right? We're going to talk about that, that sort of thing, but we, we have to view all of that in light of this glorious truth that Jesus Christ made us righteous. Keep on going in chapter 3. Paul says, for, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This glorious truth that God counts you righteous because of Christ. So because everything that Christ has done unto God perfectly, that perfect righteousness is now credited to you. So God looks at you as righteous. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, I was preaching a message and someone was very offended at the word I was preaching. Not uncommon. <laughs> Someone came to me and said, Pastor, why do you preach the law? Why do you tell us the things that God calls us to do? I said, well, because God wants us to obey him. You can't say that you love Jesus if you're not willing to obey his words. The great book of Romans, I love it. Romans 1.4, uh, Romans 16, I think 20, 27. What does it say? It says, God has brought, uh, Paul's mission is to bring about the obedience of faith. It is not enough for you to say, I merely love God. I love Jesus without the willingness to obey his commandments. Uh, this man was saying, I don't like you telling me what I have to do. I said, I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm just trying to tell you to be obedient to the Lord Jesus. So in, in recent years, uh, we've had several members of our church who have kind of come from uh, legalistic backgrounds. Uh, where the things that were very clear, what lines you couldn't cross. You could not watch R-rated movies. Line here. Right? You could not dance. Line here. Right? You could not do A, B, and C. Line here. And I think, generally in our, in our culture, we push back against that. 
You can't tell me what I can and cannot do. But those same people who have had those boundary lines drawn for them were spared from much sin. They were spared from living and walking in a way that was contrary to God because of the boundary lines and the protections there. The problem is not the lines. The problem is what you think the lines do for you. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here before we get at this this exhortation here at the end. He says, listen, you can't put confidence in how well you obey God on the last day. It is not going to matter on the last day how many things you did unto the Lord because you are a sinner and you need his, his amazing grace. You were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. And you see what? You see the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? You with me? Okay? Understand that's where, that's where we're beginning uh, on this beautiful idea of the gospel. If you have your outline, uh, I'm just going to kind of work through these really uh, briefly. The first one I want you to see is that we want to be practicing the means of grace. Practicing the means of grace. Everything I just shared with you is this idea of God's grace. That God saves you not because of your worthiness, not because of your loveliness, but God saves you because he set his love upon you. He sent Christ to die on a cross to bear your sins in his body that you might die to sin and live unto righteousness. All grace. It's all grace. Now, because God gives us this grace, now he says you need to practice living your life in such a way to grow in this grace. There are so many means which God gives us to grow in grace. We'll mention them a few of them here specifically in a moment. Right now, you are experiencing a means of God's grace. The preaching of God's word is a means of grace. You hearing the word in the, in the company of a fellow, fellow believers being challenged to live unto the Lord. That is a gift, but you're practicing it. You can't uh, experience the means of grace if you're not in this room hearing the word of God being preached. Being a member of a local church, baptism, the Lord's Supper. Those are, those are means of grace that we practice, not that we uh, get more grace, but we grow in that grace. Everything that you have of God, you have right now. Everything you have of, everything that you need of God, you have right now. Because God has given you the Holy Spirit. Okay? But we have this process that God allows us to participate in called sanctification. Uh, the process in which we become more and more holy. And we have to practice those things that God has instituted in his word in order for us to become more and more like Christ. We don't become like Jesus by osmosis. You remember that from science class? Okay? Where things, I'm not even going to try to explain it in science terms because I'm not sure if I remember it from science class. Um, but we can't just sit there and expect for us to be growing Right? While we're sleeping and not doing anything. We, we, we can't expect our physical bodies uh, to, be grow, to be growing and to, be, uh, to be, become healthier if we're eating chocolate all day long and watching Netflix 20, 20 hours a day. Right? We can't expect our bodies to be ripped like mine. Okay? You have to work at this. You've got to work. Okay? We practice the means of grace. It's all a gift. So even that we grow 
It's not that I'm going to practice these things, and therefore by practicing these things, it's going to be an automatic. It's going to be hard work. The Christian life is hard work. Now, you can't earn salvation, right? There's nothing that you could do to, to give you salvation. It has been given to you in Christ. But that doesn't mean, like Paul says, he strives. He labors. He presses on to grow in his, the knowledge of this grace. So before we go to the next two points, turn back in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, way back when we looked at this in September. Look at verse 9. This is Paul's prayer for the church at Philippi. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayer is that you would think and live like a Christian. You would think think and love more and more like a Christian so that you would be pure, you would be blameless. So what Paul exhorts here, he's already prayed for at the beginning. Okay? So we want to practice these means of grace. Just, just that, that in general. Specifically, we want to look at two ways that Paul encourages uh, the Philippians to practice the means of grace. The first one is to practice the means of grace in thought. Practice the means of grace in thought. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers. Now that's a very important um, beginning right there. Because if you take out finally, brothers and just have finally, and has all these exhortations, it could be like any Greek wisdom of his day. The, 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 what Paul says here is not super uncommon for Greek philosophers. But it is different when he says, finally, brothers. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the aim. Okay, So he identifies them as who they are first. Before we talk about what we do, it's always who we are. We are in Christ. So look at all of these things in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, think, about these things. So the, the, the command here of the text is to think. To think about what? The things he mentions before. I, I don't think Paul's main aim here is for us to look at each word, which we will briefly hear in a second, but look at each word and say, okay, how can I magnify that particular aspect? I think in general, what he's, he's doing it beautifully, poetically, is saying, think about godly things. Think about heavenly things. Meditate on those. He kind of gives specific examples here. What is true? Uh, those things that correspond to the teaching of God's word. If you, if you, if you heard uh, when Bobby was reading Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is a, is a beautiful meditation on the scriptures. And, and notice the words that were in that passage. Meditate. Consider. 
teach. All these things that have to happen through us focusing our minds on the Word of God. Now, one of the hardest challenges for people in America is thinking. Americans don't like to think. Well, I disagree, Pastor. Okay, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. How, many, how much TV is watched in America? Okay, if, if, I don't want to, don't raise your hand, but just be convicted, okay? <laughs> Who has watched more than one hour of television a day for the past week? Okay? Who has watched more than maybe four hours of television a day for the past week? Okay? How much football did you watch yesterday? Okay? Just, just think about the time spent on doing those activities. And usually when you're watching television, you are passive, meaning that you're not actively thinking about the commercials that are coming up. You may be occasionally, or the shows. Usually you just kind of absorb the show and then maybe at a commercial or at the end of it, because young people don't watch commercials anymore, uh, you, you kind of say, you think about the show for, for a second. But you're talking about 45 minutes of things that are, are, are influencing the way you think and the way you think about the world, and then you're, you're receiving all that, but you're not putting it in your brain, processing it, battling it around, and saying, is that good? Is it good that I'm thinking about those things? We want to think. So not even just television. How, how often do, do you look at things on social media? You know, people are, are, are trained to their phone, and they just scroll. They just keep on scrolling. How often do you stop and you think and you consider what you're taking in? Or, or the video games that you're playing. I mean, just think about the, the, the passive communication that we are experiencing time and time again. Here's the things the Lord wants us to think about. The things that are true, that are accordant with God's word. The things that are, are noble or honorable. The things that have dignity of moral excellence. And you know, you'll see this here in a second, but when you look at things that are good, there's something in you that wants to rise up and also be good. You know, we just uh, celebrated Veterans Day. Uh, and, I, and I love America, and I love veterans. And I love thinking and, and, and reading about the stories of, of godly men fighting for our country. Uh, one of the greatest joys I've had over the past four years is sitting down with Olin McKee. Uh, Olin McKee was a World War II veteran. He's actually received the highest honor for any non-French um, citizen uh, from their government for the time that he spent uh, in their country fighting uh, the Nazis. Uh, he's told me stories about the Battle of the Bulge and how that, that battle almost went the other way and how being in that, um, in that forest and, and fighting and he just shares honor. And what makes me, when I'm hearing his story, what does it make me want to do? I want to rise up and I want to, I want, I want to be that kind of man. 